Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release for this summer, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Magic of Cats, 101 Tales of Family, Friendship, and Fun. So be ready for some heartwarming, humorous, and completely true stories about our feline friends that will surely touch every cat lover's soul. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. I just went out for a nice bike ride. I mean, there are some benefits to being forced to work from home for months, right? (laughs) There you go. So true. So true. I think we're all focusing on the negative side of the equation and where we need to focus on the positive side of the equation for a change. (laughs) Yeah, I've been keeping in shape. Um, My husband and I both like have reached our target weights because we're not going out to restaurants. Yeah, I'm focusing on... But, you know, the negative is I have two new grandchildren, mm-hmm. and I have to quarantine for two weeks to see them. And then if I see wow. one, I have to quarantine before I see another one. And we have three grandchildren overall in three different families. So wow. it's a real juggling act. So that's the heartbreaking <laughs> part. I have a grandchild who was born a month ago who I haven't even gotten oh. to see yet. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, the good news is actually we do have FaceTime and those kind of stuff. So the good news, we have the technology, the very least, to kind of be able to solve that problem. Yeah, Yeah. my my new grandson thinks his grandmother (laughs) is a flat rectangular item. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So true. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me this morning. Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Magic of Cats is a fun and delightful read. So congratulations on this release. And what I like to do is a gigantic meow to all the cats who are listening this morning as this book is dedicated to you. I have a feeling a lot of the cats who were written about in here <laughs> will be listening to this podcast and will be very proud of themselves. Wonderful, wonderful. How popular are Chicken Soup's cat books? They are extremely popular because it's funny, like I've never had a cat because I'm allergic Mm -hmm. to cats and half my family's allergic and I wish I could have a cat because they seem (laughs) pretty amazing as pets. Um, But, you know, as a non-cat person, I Mm -hmm. didn't realize the tremendous variety of cats and their personalities and all the cool things they do. And so I'm always struck by it again when we pick the stories for a new cat book. And most of our editors, don't have cats they have dogs and so we're Mm. always saying wow cats are really cool like i have a cat (laughs) you know we always we always learn how amazing they are from working on these books but the variety of stories that we get about them and these really special skills they have like these cats who are just natural therapy cats or have this amazing Mm -hmm. intuition or Mm -hmm. an incredible ability to find their way home from miles away when they you know never been outside before. I mean, they do all these amazing things and such tiny packages. So (laughs) our books do really, really well. Um, In fact, the cat book that we put out last year 
mm-hmm. is now about a year and a quarter old. Uh, that was Chicken Soup for the Soul, Life Lessons from the Cat. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was still selling so well that I thought, oh, shoot, we're going to basically knock it off the shelves with this new one. <laughs> um, but so be it. You know, we're, it's, uh-huh. it's a good problem to have, right? And to have one that's there more than a year old that's still selling at bestseller levels. So true. So true. American Humane is the benefactor of this book's royalty. Please share with us about the organization. So American Humane is an organization that is very near and dear to our hearts, and we have been working with them for years. They are the oldest animal welfare organization in the country, and mm. they, um, they help shelters out. They also, and this is, I think, really a unique thing that they do, they are set up to mobilize immediately, and they have a lot of ex-military personnel to aid in rescuing pets and and also farm animals from natural disasters. So wildfires, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hurricanes, earthquakes, whatever happens, they are there rescuing pets. If a shelter is kind of stranded, they'll go in and rescue all the animals in the shelter and you know, move them to a safe location. We give them a lot of our dog food and cat food to distribute mm-hmm. uh, to shelters and other rescue organizations during nat- natural disasters. They're really a fabulous organization. They're the people behind the no pets, no animals were harmed, you know, for the movie mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. They also have a zoo certification program. They have a farm animal certification program, you know, so that. You yeah. know that they, you know, if you get food that's been certified by them, you know that um, animals were treated properly. So they're a great organization, and we have been giving them royalties from our dog books and our cat books for years now. I think this might be the fifth pair of cat and dog books that um, wow. benefit American Humane because we have a dog book coming out in July also. So we always mm-hmm. do our cat and dog books close to each other and all of them benefit American Humane. Fantastic. That's wonderful. How is adopting a cat from the shelter the way to go? So I'm glad you asked that because that is like our um, kind of our, our under the radar messaging in all of mm-hmm. our books about cats and dogs. We are always trying to open people's eyes to how wonderful it is to adopt cats and dogs from shelters, from rescue organizations, or in the case of cats, from them, you know, showing up on your doorstep. Because that happens (laughs) more than it does with dogs. Sometimes that happens with dogs too. But people report that their rescued pets just seem to know they were rescued and they have such a special relationship with them. Like that Mm -hmm. gratitude and that awareness of being rescued seems to, infuse the relationship forever you know they, mm-hmm, they always mm-hmm. know that they were rescued by their humans and it's a really special relationship and people will adopt you know some unwanted cat from the shelter a black cat a senior cat mm-hmm. a cat mm-hmm. with three legs and then discover that this cat is just incredible and is the best best therapist for their family or incredibly intuitive or does volunteer work or mm-hmm. gets their son with autism to speak and he never really spoke before. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. they find that when they rescue cats from shelters, the cats 
add to their families' lives in so many miraculous ways. Very, very interesting. That sounds wonderful. Now, obviously, we always talk about the animals themselves, the cats, the dogs, and so forth. In this particular case, what attributes makes a person a perfect cat owner? So, you know, you're signing up for everything. You're signing up for the good and for a little bit of the bad, too, because you have to go into it knowing you're going to outlive your pet. Your pet's mm-hmm. going to become a senior citizen. Your pet might, you know, start peeing on the floor. Your pet mm-hmm. might need help getting up. There's a lot of things that happen during end of life with a pet, and you're signing up yeah. for that. So you can't just go into it saying, oh, what a cute little kitten. You have to be there for the long haul, and it might be 20 right. years. And so I think it's really important that people go into it with that long-term commitment in mind. So true. Do cats choose their owners in some ways? Yeah, the people who tell us they adopted from shelters say, oh, I went in thinking I was going to get, you know, a female cat with white fur, or I, I was only going to get a Siamese. <laughs> And then I came home with this black cat who's, you know, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, just because this cat reached out to me and, like, this cat was huddled in the back of the cage for everybody else. And then I walked by and this cat came forward and chose me and I had to bring him home. And so <laughs> people are always saying that their cats choose them. And that's perfect, right? I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. best thing because that means that this, this little cat that's, you know, at the shelter or out in the wilderness, you know, looking mm-hmm. for a home, um, it somehow knows who will be right for it. And so you have a much greater chance of it being a wonderful relationship. That's beautiful. One of the things that I always enjoy about Chicken Soup is that the books are really awesome. Can you share with us the story leading to the beautiful book cover and the back cover as well? It's so enticing. You can not not wanting to buy this book. <laughs> I know, right? So we have a wonderful uh, graphic designer named Dan Zakari who does a great job. So what I said to him was I said, I want to be looking into the cat's eyes because it's so much more compelling when you see right. an animal, you know, looking right at you. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I wanted just a beautiful, striking somewhat magical cat because the book is called chicken soup for the soul the magic of cats mm-hmm. so we found this beautiful cat with these gorgeous blue eyes and then we made the blue on the cover match right. the cat's eyes and so <laughs> i think if you were you know walking through the store this this would just jump out at you the way that special cat at the shelter does like this right. i hope this right. book will just say take me home to people and then on the back <laughs> i asked our designer to have a lot of fun with it i said i want cats to be basically invading the text and mm-hmm. so i had him put two cats you know standing on their hind legs reaching up and they're right. actually pushing they're pushing the text out of the way so they're messing <laughs> with the back cover i know um, i love it <laughs> we, we, yeah we have four cats kind of invading the back cover text and having a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that this this is a great-looking book to give mm-hmm. to a cat owner. It's yeah. just very, very compelling. I totally agree on that. It's just beautifully, beautifully constructed. One of the things also that people need to know, your books are all published here 
in United States. So they are definitely available in spite of possibly if it's published overseas, there's lag time and so forth. But all of Chicken Soup's books are published in the United States, correct? Yeah, they are. And that has been really helpful. We were really worried at the beginning of the pandemic, um, even about printing here. One of our printers mm-hmm. shut down for a while because um, they're based in you know one of the states that got hit early. Mm-hmm. And another one of our printers went bankrupt. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's been really tough. But right. this, despite actually two of our printers shut down and mm-hmm. then one went bankrupt and that that's those were all our printers those three that was it. So all three of our printers were affected um and then we were worried our warehouse would shut down because it's in new jersey and our right. warehouse went to like a very low staff level mm-hmm. but somehow we made it through and even with all the stores closed we've been selling as many books as we had sold the prior year you know during the same wow. time period yeah. i know and We've also like run out of a lot of books. We're constantly running out, so it really helps that right. our books are printed in the United mm-hmm. States so that we can quickly get them reprinted and shipped out to retailers. We did make <laughs> a lot of extra copies of our new Magic of Cats book because we're pretty sure this one is going to be a huge bestseller. I mean, I know it mm-hmm. just goes on mm-hmm. sale today, but based on past experience, it's going to mm-hmm. hit the bestseller list like the first week. We just know that. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. What are the chapter topics covered in this book? So, you know, there are there is such a wide variety. So um, mm-hmm. in the first chapter, we, we call the first chapter Magical Miraculous Cats. And it's just really about, there's, you know, there's just something, there's some, there is something really magical and elegant and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. almost otherworldly about cats. And so... We have a lot of those stories in the first chapter. And then the second chapter is called Clever Cats, and it's just about cats that have these unknown skills. And then the third chapter is about when the cat chooses you, and these are these really heartwarming stories about those cats that end up being like the perfect match for their owners. (laughs) And then the fourth chapter is about cats that are, are just, like so unusual and that chapter is called what a character and then our fifth chapter is about this natural ability that cats have to know how to be caregivers for people and for other pets in the household and that's called cat therapy mm-hmm. now chapter six is called oh so naughty and that's about you know sometimes those cats can be somewhat mischievous so these are really <laughs> fun stories and then Chapter seven is about cats making special friendships with other animals, mm-hmm. whether it's dogs or wildlife. So that's called Four-Legged Friends. And then chapter eight is called Tricks and Traits, and it's just about these really highly unusual cats that do things that are really worth putting in a story because they're so unusual. Mm-hmm. And then chapter nine is, for those people who have family members who don't want a cat, don't like cats, only like dogs, will never have a cat. <laughs> and that chapter is called Learning to Love the Cat. And, of course, it's about all these people who will never have a cat who end up becoming total <laughs> cat people. And then chapter 10 is called Brave Cats. And the, it's these cats that are just models of resilience and fortitude and perseverance, these cats that 
really give you examples that can help you to become a better, stronger human. Mm-hmm. So those mm-hmm. are the chapters in the book. Wonderful, wonderful. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading The Magic of Cats? That for people who are considering getting a cat, this mm-hmm. is going to help them understand why they should get a cat. And also, I really want readers to now think first, I'm going to go to a shelter. You know, um, do, I want that to be the first thing they think of. And then when they go to that shelter, I want them to be open-minded about getting a black cat or a mm-hmm. senior cat. So that's really what we do with these books. I am positive that our dog and cat books have caused more adoptions from shelters and more adoptions of the animals that are often left behind, like the black ones and the senior ones. That's terrific. That's really, really wonderful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Features Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about heartwarming, humorous, and true stories about our feline friends that touches every cat lover's soul from their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Magic of Cats, 101 Tales of Family, Friendship, and Fun. Amy, let's get into the book. Let's start out with Chapter 1. The title is Magical Miraculous Cat, and my favorite story in that chapter is Twelve Nights in St. Bethlehem by Anne Oliver. Yeah, so um, this is a really cool story. This is about Anne Oliver and her children, and her husband was on a 13-month tour in Korea in the Army, and they were living in Clarksville, Tennessee, but they were building a new home in the nearby town of St. Bethlehem. So Anne and the kids would go to visit the new house frequently, and then just before Thanksgiving, they moved into the new house, Anne and the two kids and their dog and their cat. And their cat, whose name was Q, was not happy about the move and was kind of skittish (laughs) around all the activity of the movers and the construction workers. And so um, they decided to put Q in the basement in his crate so he'd just be out of the way of all the activity. And then even though everyone was warned not to let the cat out, somehow Q got out anyway and he disappeared. (laughs) So they had a really sad Thanksgiving without Q, the cat. And then one day Anne ran into a real estate agent and that person told her that they were lucky to have left their rental house behind because Somebody had broken into a window in the basement and had gotten into the house, and there was no real damage, but there was some blood and some gray hair all over the window and the basement floor. And Anne realized, oh, that basement window had a crack in it when I left. It wouldn't have been so hard for a cat to push through that window. So she realized that their missing cat must have gone back to their old house, which was kind of startling because... Q was an indoor cat and had never been Mm -hmm. outside that rental house, except for the one seven-mile ride from the old house to the new house they were living in now. And so (laughs) she couldn't figure out how Q would know how to get back to the old house, but she figured he must have. But then when she searched the house and the neighborhood around her old house, she couldn't find him. 
So then Christmas came and went. I remember Q had been missing since before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then on January 6th, Anne and her kids were off visiting some family, and Anne's little daughter said they had to be home by midnight because it's 12th night, and Q is following the star of St. Bethlehem home, so we have to be there to greet him. And Anne says, like, she had completely garbled, you know, the story in the Bible, but she had this unshakable belief that Q would come home that night, Mm -hmm. And Anne was just sick with dread because she thought, how am I going to explain to my little daughter that, you know, the cat's not going to come home. But they got Mm -hmm. home by midnight anyway, and it was good they did because shortly after they got home and just before midnight in St. Bethlehem, Tennessee, their (laughs) cat, Q, came home (laughs) after being missing for like a month and a half. It was really a a miracle. So I thought that was a really cool story. Of course, we'll give everybody hope, people who have lost a cat. <laughs> it's so amazing how the animal can sniff to get back to where they need to go. I mean, that's just amazing. It is amazing. It really is. It's amazing that the cat was clearly at the old house seven miles away and then came back right. to the new house. And so made that 14-mile round trip, although it took six weeks basically for him to return from the old house to the new house who knows what was going on right right so true do you have a story in chapter one that sort of uh, connects with you as you mentioned earlier that you don't own a cat but you really connect with cats now yeah so there's a really cool poem that we use to start the book Mm -hmm. it's called moonlight and we put a quote at the beginning of the poem and the quote is In ancient times, cats were worshipped as gods. They Mm -hmm. have not forgotten this. (laughs) The quote by Terry (laughs) Patchett. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Cats just know how elegant and special they are. So here's this poem, and it's by somebody named T.J. Banks. I'm going to read you this poem. It's not too long. Sure. You walk between worlds, between dreams, a lilac lynx stepping out of the shadows to sit by my side. You are the white gold light against the winter bare trees. Come morning, a promise, a whisper, a morning glory of a cat wrapping yourself round my heart. You shimmy and you shimmer, beckoning with citrine eyes. You conjure and cajole, purring, burbling stories, a feline Scheherazade, an empress, all smoky mauve steel and grace, sashaying towards sunrise, dismissing the night, with a flick of your elegant tail. I thought that was a great poem. And oh, yes. really encapsulates beauty and elegance and special magic of a cat and the fact that the cat knows it. That's beautiful. Really is. And it's a great layup for the entire book. That is story one in the book. Yeah, as a yeah. Fact. I thought it was a great way to start it. And Really a nice poem, really well done. I mean, we're really mostly a publisher of stories, not poetry. And I'm no (laughs) expert on poetry, but that really, to me, is a really beautiful poem. Yeah, so true. Chapter two, Clever Cats. I love this one, I really do. Pack Rat Meets Fat Cat by Sergio Del Bianco. So this is really interesting because Sergio has a mom who's 90 years old, and she actually writes for us also. But like Mm -hmm. a lot of older people, she gets kind of paranoid about money, and so Mm -hmm. she hides at places. And I remember 
my father doing this uh, before we moved him to an assisted living. You know, he would just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hide money places. And then we had to find it all. And it was like inside a box, inside a box, inside a box. And I think when we emptied out his house, we probably threw away <laughs> a lot of money. Because one day, in just like 10 minutes, his aide and I found like $7,000 wow. that he had hidden in places. So we don't even know how much money might have just disappeared. It was really scary. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Sergio's mom, um, she was also a child during World War II in France. And so she never trusted banks. And so she always kept cash as her, had her husband. So she's a combination of her always keeping a lot of cash on hand plus getting older and getting nervous about her valuables. So Mm -hmm. one day she was going out with friends and she hid a large amount of cash. And then when she got home, she couldn't remember where she had hidden it. Well, the neat thing is that Sergio and his wife, who only lived a couple of hours away from her, um, they had a cat named Felix who loved paper money. He -hmm. just loved it, the scent of it or the way it looked. (laughs) It made him go crazy. If they had any cash that they, you know, left out in a bureau or something, he would find it. And so when Sergio's mother called and confessed that she had hidden a lot of cash and couldn't find it, they took Felix the cat over to her house to sniff out the money for them. And it worked. <laughs> that cat found money hidden in a shoebox in the bottom of a closet. He found mm-hmm. money hidden in a cereal box in the kitchen cupboard. He found banknotes hidden between folded sheets in the bedroom dresser drawer. Mm -hmm. He Mm -hmm. found money hidden in half a dozen places, not just Mm -hmm. what she had hidden recently, but other times she had hidden them and then forgotten. Um, He even found a lot of money inside the couch cushions. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it was just amazing. And I thought, gosh, somebody should offer that as a service because (laughs) a lot of people have elderly (laughs) parents who hide money all over the place and then can't find that. Really, I would have hired somebody with a cat to go and sniff out the cash. That would have been great. <laughs> I totally agree. I mean, I remember having the same conversation with my sister. I said, Lane, do not let anybody else sleep in mom's room. I'm telling you, there's a treasure trove in there. You got to take yeah, your time, exactly. start digging around, and you never know what you're going to find. I guess it's a generational thing, and yeah. you're right about that because my parents grew up during World War II and they don't really yeah. quite trust the banking system and all that kind of stuff. And they're trying to protect all of us in so many ways. <laughs> oh my gosh, my father would hide money and then, you know, and then decide it was stolen and have the police come. I really yeah. wondered like how many, how, what percentage <laughs> of the police calls, you know, in a suburb yeah. are related to like old people imagining crimes, you know, like hiding yeah. their money and then forgetting. Or one time my parents yeah. left the key in the front door yeah, and then called the police to say somebody tried to break into their house because they found their key in the front door. <laughs> they wouldn't believe me when I said that. That is illogical. Like you left the key in the front door. <laughs> anyway, if anybody is a cat that can sniff out paper money, I'm suggesting a new business for you. You'll make a lot of money. You can take a percentage of whatever you find. <laughs> so true. So true. I agree with that. When you mention about the business, I think that would be a lucrative business, don't you think? And it's something totally. really cool. <laughs> I'm going to suggest it to Sergio. He really should get going with this. <laughs> Chapter three, when the cat chooses you, 
Not Without My Mama. Oh, this is really so tender by Jessica Reed. So Jessica is just this amazing, you know, person with such a warm heart. And so she had been living on a street where um, she wasn't allowed to have a cat in her home, but she loved cats. And she was feeding 38 stray cats that lived out on Mm. the street. And she really loved all of them, but she had a favorite, this gigantic yellow cat with blue eyes who she named Butterball. And Butterball really liked her. He wasn't acting feral at all. Like he would try to jump in her car when she arrived home or he would try to go inside her house. But she wanted to adopt him, but she couldn't because she wasn't allowed to have a cat where she Mm -hmm. was um, renting. Anyway, she really took good care of those stray cats. And one by one, she would trap them, and then she had them neutered or spayed, and then she released them so that at least they wouldn't make, you know, new kittens. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, then she bought her own house. So she started moving her stuff from the rental to her new house, and the cats all watched her and started to look kind of anxious about it. She kept feeding them, but she was gone most of the day now, and they watched her moving her possessions into her car and taking them away. And Butterball became even more affectionate to her and even stood among her moving boxes as if he wanted to go wherever those boxes were going. So finally she finished moving, and she was really worried about how all the cats were going to make it through the winter because she lived in upstate New York. So she got a group of her friends together and they caught all of these stray cats and they took them to a no-kill shelter so they would be adopted. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is a really wonderful woman, Jessica. So the only one that she kept out was Butterball. So finally she came back to get Butterball because now her move was over. All the cats had been taken care of and she was going to adopt Butterball officially now. And Butterball jumped into her car but then he jumped right back out again and walked off toward, toward the bushes. And there stood this little calico cat who Jessica realized had always been hanging around with Butterball. And then <laughs> Jessica realized Butterball was not going to let him adopt her unless she took his friend also. So she yeah. picked up the calico cat and, and Butterball jumped in and took them home and the two beds shared the cat bed in her new home Anyway, then she posted photos of the two cats online, and one of her former neighbors at her old house posted some comments, and she said, I am so glad that you took in the big cat. I remember when he was born. I see you took his mama, too. (laughs) Well, Jessica had never realized that the little calico cat was Butterball's mother, Mm -hmm. and she had adopted him and his mom and had no idea. And I thought that was just so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful story. It really is. And it's amazing how the bonding that occurs is natural. It's just amazing the way it happens. Chapter four is another cool one. What a character. And the story is Zen master. By the way, it's from a guy, Garrett Bowman. And I do want to, compliment you guys because you have a lot of men contributing to the cat story. That's amazing. Oh, there's a <laughs> lot of men who love their cats. Absolutely. Now, Garrett's story is really funny because he tells us that he has he, he has this cat named Snickers. And he says, Snickers could teach us all how to meditate and relax <laughs> and kind of be Zen, you know. So that's mm-hmm. why the story is called Zen Master. 
Like this cat doesn't react if the front door slams really loud or if there's a vacuum in the next room, he doesn't freak out. And he won't play with toys either. Like Garrett's wife buys toys for him, furry mice mm-hmm. on strings that she drags past him, squeaky mice, mice mm-hmm. filled with catnip. She gets nothing. Snickers just keeps on meditating. And he was astray. Garrett had found him one morning standing by the porch when Garrett was building this porch. And the cat hung around the house for a few days, but he was so relaxed, he didn't even bother to eat the food that Garrett offered him. (laughs) But then after a week of just hanging around, he just calmly followed Garrett into the house and then never left. So that was it. He just kind of, in his Zen master way, became their cat. (laughs) And they've had him for years now, and he's always cool, calm, and collected. And then finally something happened. Garrett reports that they had a gray mouth in their living room and Snickers was on the couch of course meditating but then he actually perked up he slithered <laughs> down to the floor and he crawled over to the mouse he looked like a cat stalking its prey and Garrett was amazed because the cat was actually doing something but the mouse must have known something that Garrett didn't know because the mouse just sat there looking at the cat mm-hmm. the mouse wasn't even afraid and then the cat wagged his tail at the mouse and just lay down there and relax right in front of the mouth, and they just looked each other in the eyes. And Garrett said, oh, this is unbelievable. And he went to the closet, and he got an empty tennis ball container, and he kind of nudged, you know, the mouth into the container. And he said to Snickers, can't you be a cat for once? And so Garrett ended up having to take the mouth outside and – He said he was going to take it to the park. So he said to his wife, taking the mouse to the park now, somebody here has to be the cat. I thought that was really funny. We had more than one story about cats that would not actually be mousers. They just bought the mouse with their new friend, and their owners were a little bit frustrated. (laughs) I have to think, I don't know, maybe this is a process of evolution, that animals are much more friendlier now with what, was perceived as their chief rival, don't you think? Yes, I don't know. I mean, I've seen it in my backyard. Like, one day Mm -hmm. I looked out in the backyard and I saw these three deer and they were all kind of standing in a semicircle and looking at this little fox. And they were just, I mean, they were like two feet apart from each other, all standing in a circle. And I guess the deer knew that a fox doesn't chase deer, but they were all yeah. standing so close to each other like they were friends. It was really interesting. Right, right. That's amazing. That brings me to Chapter 5, Cat Therapy. And the story I really love that I resonate very well because I grew up with cats and dogs, Calvin's Best Friend by Susan Willett. Yeah, so, okay, this is a really good example of, you know, interspecies <laughs> friendship and also yeah. about how cats really are just kind of natural therapists and nurses. And so in this case, Susan Willett tells us that um, her dog Tucker didn't really get along with all four of her cats. And one of the cats really bullied Tucker. And when the cats came into a room where he was, he would just kind of slither down onto the floor and crawl out of there to get away from the cats. Um, But one cat, not the one that had bullied Tucker, but this one cat named (laughs) Calvin 
had always ignored Tucker also until Tucker came home one day from the vet with a plastic cone around his neck, which is just the most humiliating, awful experience for a dog, you know? <laughs> and so, so the dog was lying on the couch, just miserable. Um, and the cat like cautiously leapt onto the couch and then sniffed the edge of the cone and then leaned into the cone and started licking Tucker's face and grooming the dog inside the cone. <laughs> and after that, they became friends and they always hung out together. And Tucker was a dog who was always getting injured. He got a cone many times. And every time he got a cone, <laughs> Calvin would go inside the cone and, you know, kind of groom his face and lick him and hang out with him and keep him company. And then when Tucker became a senior dog and got an aggressive cancer, Calvin mm. the cat took care of him then too. Um, and so it was a really special relationship between this dog who was one of three dogs in the house and this cat who was one of four cats. And they just hit it off. And after Tucker the dog died, Calvin tried to connect with Susan's other two dogs, but it just wasn't. <laughs> the same as that very special right. special relationship that they had. So it was sweet. It was it just showed that even if you think your cats <laughs> and your dogs can't get along, you never know. You might be surprised one day that something happens and all of a sudden they're best friends. Right, right. So true. I grew up with a dog by the name of Pilly and then we have one mother cat like you had mentioned and she had kittens. They all get along very well. They'll eat from each other's bowls. One would think, like I say, that's public enemy number one. <laughs> but they're fine. I guess a lot of animals have pets like racehorses. They'll, racehorses, they'll get them mm -hmm. like a donkey as a pet or a dog yeah. as a pet. But a lot of animals like to have another species of animal with them, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're humans, we're animals, and we like to have cats and dogs as pets. And I would think also they pick up the energy of the host, which is, I guess, the family, because my mom is very loving from that perspective. Because I remember when Pilly was just a puppy, she wears sarong and she'll sit on the floor and have Pilly come jump in between the legs, like when you sit in that sort of lotus position. And of yeah. course, when he gets to be 90 pounds, he's trying to do that. <laughs> and you can't do that at 90 pounds trying to jump into the lotus position. But those are the little things that you sort of teach the little puppies that grew up to be that loving animal, so to speak. Well, sometimes they make friends with an animal you don't really want them to. Like there's one story in the book about a cat uh -huh. who made friends with a skunk. <laughs> and the, the owner came into the kitchen because the kitchen had a door to the outside and the door had been left right. open. And the owner came in and found the cat and the skunk together eating from the cat's food dish. <laughs> So the owner crept away, and then after that, she left the food dish outside, and that cat shared its food with the skunk every day for two years until finally the skunk disappeared. Uh, and that cat actually never made another friend after that with any other animal, including another cat. So, yeah, sometimes it could be a little dicey, the, the friendship. Right, right. So true. Do you have a special story that you like in Chapter 5? Um, I really like this other story about um, a cat that was a natural therapist 
in a nursing home. So this is a case mm. of a cat helping humans. And so um, Mary Alward wrote this story, and she worked at a nursing home that had a mix of elderly residents and then some younger ones. Um, and one of the younger ones, who was only 56, was there because she had muscular dystrophy. And so she really wanted a pet. And so they allowed her to adopt a kitten. And then um, this woman trained the kitten to be um, a visiting cat for the other residents. And so the residents all loved this cat. And then they discovered that this cat had this unusual talent, which you do hear about in nursing homes. The cat would know when somebody was going to die. And they mm-hmm. didn't understand it at first, but after just a few weeks, the cat crawled into bed with one of the residents and refused to leave. And, you know, just the squawking yeah. and waiting when the nurse tried to grab her and, you know, take her out of the bed. So finally they just let her stay there. And she stayed there with that gentleman until he died. And then two weeks later, it happened again. The cat refused to leave one of the residents alone, and she passed that evening. So they started realizing that the cat could always tell them when the end was very near for a resident, and she would always stay with the residents. Unfortunately, eventually, it was her owner's turn, the the woman who was there Mm -hmm. for the muscular dystrophy um, she went to the hospital and then came back and then the cat stayed with her. And uh, sure enough, she died also. Um, But then the cat continued living in the nursing home and acting as a cat therapist and predicting when it was time to call the relatives to come and visit, you know, their loved one Mm -hmm. who was about to pass. Very, very interesting. So wonderful. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixclouds, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. My guest is Amy Newmark, the Publisher and Editor-in-Chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about heartwarming, humorous, and true stories about our feline friends that touches every cat lover's soul from their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Magic of Cats, 101 Tales of Family, Friendship, and Fun. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, Chapter 6. This is really cute. Oh, so naughty. And the title is Cat with a Conscience by Rachel Evangeline Bauman. So this is a cool story because sometimes animals do feel bad when they've done something wrong. And so in this (laughs) case, Rachel moved to a new apartment and she spent the whole weekend. She arranged her work so that she could have a long weekend in the new apartment with her cat. Uh, But then after the long weekend, Rachel had to go back to work. So she left the cat there alone, hoping everything would go okay. Um, She came home from work Monday evening, and she found the cat who seemed kind of panicked about something. And the cat, instead of greeting her the normal way, like rubbing her all over her legs, the cat instead walked away from her and kept turning to look at her, like, please follow me. And so she followed the cat into the kitchen where there was a big mess because the cat had accidentally knocked a house plant in one of those red terracotta pots off a windowsill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of mm-hmm. course, it was understandable. She was in a new house, and she didn't exactly know where to jump. And, you know, by accident, she yeah. knocked a pot onto the floor, and there was dirt everywhere and the plant and pieces of broken pot. And the poor cat was acting like she was sorry. And 
Rachel felt so bad for her. She picked her up and she gave her hugs. And before she even cleaned up the mess, she sat down so that her cat could sit in her lap because her cat loved sitting in her lap. And they hadn't mm-hmm. done that all weekend because Rachel had been so busy putting things away. Mm-hmm. So Rachel says she understood that she was forgiven for the accident. And I understood that I had a very special cat, one with a conscience. I thought that was really sweet. <laughs> That's wonderful. It's a beautiful story. Chapter 7, Four-Legged Friends, One Special Friend by Colleen Cantle Fowell. This is a wonderful story, too. Yeah, so this is the one I referred to earlier about the skunk, and it's just so mm-hmm. funny because Colleen was away at college, and so she was lonely, and she decided to get a cat. She got one of these Maine Coon cats, which are these huge, fluffy cats. I think they have an extra toe or something. They're mm-hmm. called polydactyl cats. I think that means they have an extra toe on each foot. Um, and so this cat was really into wildlife. So it's not surprising it ended up, <laughs> you know, sharing its food with a skunk because this cat would actually go for walks in the woods with Carlene, which is unusual for a cat. You know, she would um, go for a walk and he'd walk with her and he would also bring her lots of little gifts, some of them still alive. Mm-hmm. So this is why this cat ended up making such good friends with that skunk I referred to. <laughs> and and after this, after the skunk, you know, they have the two-year relationship, but after the skunk disappeared, her cat really mourned. Um, mm-hmm. And he actually disappeared for a few days looking for his skunk friend. Um, so he never did make another friend. And when he died at age 16, Carlene buried her cat like on the back part of her property where there was this huge Mm -hmm. rock formation that he had always liked to stand on. Mm -hmm. And she said the really cool thing about it was that the next spring Mm -hmm. where she had buried her cat, a skunk family moved in there. (laughs) It's a beautiful story. And I chose that story simply because, again, it's interesting where, when we talk about learning from our animals, our feline friends, is the fact that you're talking about that's weird. It's never, ever happened, so to speak, right? But the animals somehow have evolved to a point where we're all friends in a way and get to know each other kind of thing. That's really wonderful. Yeah, I I mean, other than the fact that it was a skunk, it was a very nice friendship. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 8, Tricks and Traits. The Pot Has Eyes by Christy Adams. This is a funny, cool story. <laughs> yeah, so Christy's cat liked to play tricks on her. Her cat um, is a black cat, and they happen to have a black floor, a black kitchen floor, so the cat knows that he's invisible against the floor. And this cat <laughs> loves to jump out at them. So he just thinks that's the most fun thing. He always is hiding and then jumping out to scare them. And if he jumps off this black floor to scare them. He hides in closets, in bags, in the bathtub. He's always hiding and then jumping out to scare them. She said the most, I guess, dramatic time was when she was in the kitchen and she's, you know, drinking a cup of coffee and she doesn't know where the cat is. And then she takes the cup of coffee to the kitchen sink And all of a sudden she realizes that this large black cooking pot that they have that's tilted on the side has these glowing eyes inside it. And she startles, like, what's in there? And then she realizes, that darn cat again. Um, And so 
that was just, she just talked about how he was always, always hiding to scare her, including the time that her kitchen pot had these glowing eyes. <laughs> That's beautiful. What's your favorite story in chapter nine? So this is a fun chapter because this is about all the mm-hmm. people who absolutely know they don't like cats and then become, you know, head over heels in love <laughs> with a cat. So, so Sandra Martin said that she and her son were away visiting her mother and her husband was at work on a construction site and he saw this little ball of fur walking towards him out of a dust storm and she was really crying loud and he thought she was hurt and he picked her up and checked her out, but she wasn't hurt. She was just alone and he, searched around to see if he could find her mother or any other kittens from the litter. He couldn't find any other cats. And so he made a little bed for her in his truck from an old shirt that he had. And then he got her some water. And then he told one of his coworkers, there's this cat. I mean, this was a man who didn't like cats, was never going to have a cat, a <laughs> dog person. So his coworker went to Walmart with him after work and helped him buy the supplies he would need. And then this man took this cat home and um, fell in love with her. And Sandra and her son came home and discovered that they had a cat. And it was interesting because they had <laughs> lost their dog several months earlier. And they mm-hmm. actually hadn't planned on getting a new pet right away because their son was only a toddler. Mm-hmm. But their vet had said to them, you know, the right pet is going to come into your lives at the right time. Just wait and see. And sure enough, it was this little kitten who ended up being her husband's best friend, waking up in the morning with him, greeting him at the door after work, sitting on his lap while he was watching TV, sleeping mm-hmm. right on top of him at night. This big, <laughs> strong man was a total pushover for this little cat. And, you know, they, they feel yeah. very lucky to have mm-hmm. had her for 17 years. And, in fact, they named the cat Lucky. She was lucky to be rescued by them, but they were very lucky that this cat-hating man at a construction site found her and took her home. It touches the heart and moves the soul. That's all I could say. (laughs) Beautiful. Totally beautiful. Chapter 10, Brave Cats, Six Legs Between Them by Linda Subburn. Yeah, Linda was an experienced cat owner and an experienced cat rescuer, but she had never experienced a cat with an amputation other than it's just its tail being amputated. Mm-hmm. But she adopted a cat. Well, she found him wandering in a field or she, her, she found her wandering in a field and she took this cat to the vet because she seemed to have an infected hind foot and the vet tried to save her foot, but the, inche- the infection spread. So they had to cut off her leg. Um, and so Linda was a little nervous about it because she'd never had a cat with an amputation. Actually, before they even did the amputation, they had to wait a week or so before they were going to do the surgery. Um, Mm -hmm. Linda got a message about an injured kitten that had been found, and she went to rescue the injured kitten who had been hit by a car, and that little kitten ended up losing her leg also. So now Linda had two cats with amputated legs, two tripods. And so um, she said she learned a lot about resilience and bravery and perseverance from these two little cats. Um, And I think what her story 
really does is spread the message that there's nothing wrong with adopting animals that have mm-hmm. something wrong with them. You know, like don't avoid mm-hmm. them at the shelter. These two little tripod cats, absolutely great. They romp, they play, they have an amazing life, they don't whine, they have a can-do attitude. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, they were a real role model for Linda about just dealing with whatever life has handed you and just moving along with that. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. I think it's a wonderful story to be in Chapter 10 because you have a bunch of other wonderful, wonderful stories about brave cats that we sometimes humans, we tend to dwell about what happened versus, hey, life goes on. And this is a classic example about like, just do it, basically. Yeah, exactly. I I think that, I mean, one of the things I've noticed from this cat book is that there really are some great role models in it who we could actually model our own lives after and get these mm-hmm. lessons of fortitude and resilience and realize, well, they did it, so we can, I can do it. You know, I think That's it's a right. really good lesson. That's right. What's coming up next with Chicken Soup? Um, we have Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Magic of Dogs, coming out. Um mm-hmm in mid-July, so I'm really excited about that. And then in August, we're putting out a really special book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Listen to Your Dreams. It's really cool because dreams really are your subconscious talking to you, and so the book really helps you understand the power of your dreams to act as a kind of GPS for navigating your life. So I know you and I are gonna talk about that also, so we'll be sharing some really cool (laughs) stories. Oh, and the dog book and the dreams, we were we managed to get stories in them about the pandemic. The cat book uh, was ready just before the pandemic started. But the yeah. dog book, we have a lot of stories in the dog book about people adopting dogs during that mm-hmm. stay-at-home time or mm-hmm. staying home with the dogs or people getting the uh, coronavirus and then you know, like hunkering down in their basements to not infect their family members and their dog going with them. So yeah. there's some really great stories in um, that book about COVID. So we'll be talking about that also in our mm-hmm. next two books. We'll be talking about a lot of COVID stories. Wonderful, wonderful. So what wonderful recipes would you like to share with our listeners this morning? I got a lot of really good life lessons from this Mm -hmm. book about the magic of cats. And so I would say the first lesson I got is that sometimes cats really can give you the courage to go out and have an adventure um, because we have stories in the book about people like this one woman, Lori Shepard retired and then she decided she was going to take a road trip all over the United States. She actually Mm -hmm. drove 8,000 miles going all over the place with her cat with her, and it was her cat (laughs) who gave her the courage to do it. And then another life lesson that I got is that, well, cats remind you that rules are made to be broken. And uh, we had a story from a veterinarian who had this really hard and fast rule that she would never adopt a cat that came into her practice, you know, for medical Mm -hmm. attention. And then, of course, she adopted a cat, you know. And then um, another lesson is to never be surprised at who could become a wonderful caregiver for you, you know, who could help you through 
some kind of healing you need to do. And, and of course, the lesson comes from reading all these stories about cats becoming caregivers and wonderful nurses for their humans. Right. And then, and then that kind of ties into the next message, which is you never know where your therapy is going to come from. You know, it could come from the most unlikely <laughs> people or even from a cat. And then another lesson is that sometimes you have to go with what fate chooses for you, like in the mm-hmm. case of all the stories in this book where the cat chose you and you had to accept that the cat knew best, even though that wasn't the path you thought your life was going to be taking <laughs> at that time. Mm-hmm. And it's just to kind of go with the flow and accept that sometimes things happen for a reason. So those are the ingredients for a happy life that I picked up from Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Magic of Cats. It's beautiful. That's really, really wonderful. Well, Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all of our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, July 14. It's a big treat. Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul, will be back to talk about dogs. So I'm really excited about that. We'll be having a conversation about the second summer release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Magic of Dogs, 101 Tales of Family, Friendship, and Fun. So be ready for some heartwarming, humorous, and completely true stories about our canine companions that will surely touch every dog lover's soul. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As usual, Amy, thank you again. It's been a true pleasure. I look forward to next Tuesday. I do too. We'll talk again then and share some more really cool stories. Wonderful. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Bye-bye. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.